The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And this week is our last political theme week. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ava DuVernay's film Selma uh, momentarily. But before we do that, uh, my dog's going to bark really loud so everyone gets to hear that. And then um, Corey and I are going to talk about what we've been watching and just kind of checking in on each other. So first off, Corey, how are you doing? You know, it uh, started snowing up in the mountains and the foothills today, oh. and uh, a word on the street is that it's supposed to snow tonight or tomorrow wow. down in the valley, and I'm not, I fucking hate the snow. Are you in but... the valley? Yes. Okay. I'm not really sure um, how that all works, but... Well, like, yeah, I'm in the valley. There are, like, mountains and foothills all around us, mm. so that gets interesting in all kinds of seasons, but... Now, see, we had a cold week this week. Um, it was, uh, I think, starting Monday. It was in the 40s. Holy heck. Um, until today. Today's the first time, like, it's right now it's only 67 outside. Uh, but it's been, like, at night it's been, like, 45, 50 at the, at the high. Um, but, yeah, it's been really cold. It was funny because our friend Matt over at What I Watched Tonight, um, when we first started, like, talking a lot, we would constantly compare weather from England to, to Florida, and it's always, like, it's, like, 99 here, and he's, like, oh, it's so hot here, and I'm, like, what is it? He's, like, 72. I'm, like, what? You know? Be quiet, Matt. Just stop um, it. But this <laughs> week, I, I sent him a picture of the weather, like, that it was 40, I think it was 44 or something when I sent, and he sent me his, and it was 57. I'm, like, oh, my God, it's colder here. <laughs> I'm, like, that's... That's got to be a, a freak incident, but I wonder if it's like super humid where he's at, because that. Oh yeah, yeah, it rains a lot, a lot there. Yeah, Ugh. and they don't have AC in a lot of their buildings, um, because you know a lot of them are older and they, they might have like a window unit, but mostly they just rely on fans and windows because it's again it's not like Florida hot, but it is it's muggy and hot, um, just like stale air when it gets there, from my understanding at least, but, um, but yeah, uh. We are um, in the midst of that kind of cold weather. Obviously, yours is much colder, but, uh, you know, I, I like it when it's cool like this because we get to wear hoodies, and I love my... I got a, a Tribeca hoodie when I was at Tribeca. Ooh, nice. And I've been waiting to wear it since I bought it, so I was excited I got to wear it a couple times this week. But I, The true Floridian in me, I have a winter coat, but I refuse to wear it <sighs> until it is snowing outside because they're so heavy. They're so heavy. <laughs> I swear it weighs like 10 pounds. That's just too much clothes. Word. Um, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, I don't I don't usually see snow, so I'm not in need of such a winter coat. I frequently uh, do not have one. Um, but I do have, like, again, hoodies and, like, windbreakers. Because windbreakers, usually all you need here in Florida is because it's usually what makes it cold is the, uh, the wind yeah. cutting through your clothes. Um, of course, so I am bald, and so head gets cold. But that's neither here nor there. So, um, if you've never listened to the podcast, uh, just a heads up, um, we, Corey and I are avid movie fans. Um, uh, we've been collectors for a long time, but we've been working with Burke Reviews now for three years. 
um, doing this podcast for almost two complete years. In fact, this is episode 99, Corey. Um, that means next week's episode will be the big one zero zero. And um, we started Movie Club in 2017 uh, because Corey and I also are avid collectors of films. And we have a bad habit of buying movies and not watching them. Um, and so this was our kind of to push each, uh, push each other to watch movies that we've heard good things about or that we've always wanted to watch, but we just haven't for one reason or another. Um, and Selma, in fact, is going to be a major one for me. I've I've known how great it's supposed to be pretty much since it came out. And I am a um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is a man I've always considered to be a hero of mine. Um, even when I was like in high school, like I looked up to Bruce Lee and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Those were the two people that I listed as my heroes. And, um, I, I just couldn't bring myself to watch Selma because I knew it was going to hit me on an emotional level. And I, you know, sometimes I like to avoid movies that I know are going to, are going to wreck me. Um, but I'm glad that we finally put this on our list, but, um, because we love movies, we like to talk about everything else we've been watching as well. And I've watched a few things that I do definitely want to talk about. One, I can only mention, I can't say anything about if I liked it or not. Just that I finally got to see it already. Uh, I guess finally is the wrong word. I've been waiting for it, but it, the public won't be able to see it for almost another three weeks. Um, so I want to uh, to hear, though, Corey, what have you been watching? Well, I've only watched one movie besides Selma. Oh, man. Busy week. Um, right yeah, always. Um, I watched Hearts Beat Loud again. Ah, very nice. I guess Lynch. after talking about it with Mike, you were like, I'll watch it. I, um, yeah, at some point between some of those conversations, I watched it when he, wa I watched it before he wasn't able to get into it. Oh, okay. Because I was like, hey, it should be in the recently, you know, but, um, and then I've just been watching The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah, you mentioned that to me and I gave you some funny gifts. Um, I love it. Karen and Chipka. Uh, but... I I don't uh I don't do a lot of TV. Um I got to say though, I'm there's a lot of Netflix original films coming out this month that I am super stoked about. Um so cuz that's the Netflix series, right? The Sabrina? Yes. Um but like okay, so I still haven't watched Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I'm hoping I'm going to be able to watch that tomorrow. I was going to watch a movie tonight and then like I said today was just a hectic day. I needed to just be a good husband and be with my wife. Um, so just hang on. Everything's okay, listeners. There's, we had an off topic. We had an off, uh, podcast conversation before we started recording that I'm not going to get into, but I needed to be good hubby, not watch a movie and like ignore everybody else. So, um, I didn't get to any movies tonight, but, um, next week, uh, there's, did you ever watch Patty Cakes? Did I watch it? Yeah. Have I you, tried to. You know, it wasn't you never, my bag. I can't believe that, Corey. That hurts my feelings. Yeah, um, it was just so bad. I just needed to... I tried. I was, like, wincing and, you know... It, it is. <laughs> trying to get through it. I don't like the, <laughs> the wording that you're using. It is not so bad. It's an excellent movie. Um, <laughs> good lord. Uh, sometimes you just blow my mind with the shit you don't like. I know! <laughs> I know! It's like, I, I was so pumped about it, too. I can't remember... How long it was at my theater, but I wasn't able to catch it in theater for whatever reason. And then I forget where I was trying to watch it. I don't remember if I was trying to stream it somewhere, but I got to one part where she's like having the wrap off with the guys after a show or something. And I was just like, I, I can't. 
Was it the secondhand embarrassment kind of thing that was messing you up, or? Uh, I don't. It was just like. I don't really know. It uh, was just so. Oh well. I don't Anyways, know. So that actress is in a new movie coming to Netflix, um, with uh, Jennifer Aniston is going to be playing her mother. Oh. It's called I... D- Dumplin, um, and it comes out Friday, December seventh, and I'm very excited about that film. It also has. Um, from Ladybird, the girl who is, um, who Ladybird, best friend? Pre- not the actual best friend, but the girl she became best friends with, like the popular girl. Um, uh, you know, what I'm yeah. yeah. So she's supposed to be in this as well. Um, and I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm looking forward to giving that a watch. Um, and then uh, Roma, the uh, new Alfonso Cuarón film that is getting all the rave and is expected to be like a huge Academy Award winner. Um, and Netflix is first, uh, hopefully for Netflix, cause they were trying desperately this year to get some Oscar, uh, nominations. Um, that comes out and then, uh, Bird Box, the, um, Sandra Bullock movie that looks kind of like a quiet place almost, but with like not looking instead of not hearing, um, like you can't see the monster cause if you see the monster, you, you die or something like that. Uh, the trailer is real intense. You haven't seen the trailer? No. Oh, you should check it out. It looks intense. It's getting, from what I've heard, positive things. Um, that comes out, I think, the twenty fourth um, of this month on Netflix. So it's a it's a busy month for Netflix. A lot of cool stuff coming out that I'm looking forward to, and that's not even getting into the theaters. <coughs> that's just provided with the streaming service. So looking forward to that. But um, I've watched a few. Hold things. on. Oh, sorry. Hold on a second. So is Danielle McDonald? It looks like she's in Bird Box too. Is that the actress from Dumplin'? I think so. Okay, uh, baby, I didn't know that. But yeah. It's, yeah. It's definitely possible. It would make sense even that. That's you know. cool though. Yeah, she's she's in Ladybird for two seconds. Um, actually, she's uh when they have the the woman talking about the abortion, she's one of the kids who asks a question uh, before Ladybird like pisses her off. Uh, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna rewatch that movie because it's awesome, anyways. But I'll keep an eye out. Yep. Alright, so I've watched a few things, but not, not too many. Um, last Saturday, uh, we went somewhere during the, like, my wife, my daughter, and I went somewhere. Oh, we were going to go to this uh, Christmas trail thing, and then that didn't happen. Um, but we ended up watching a Christmas movie together. And so we threw on the Christmas Chronicles, the Netflix original, um, which I haven't wrote a review for, actually. I just keep putting it off, but I would say it's good. Um, it's not great, but it's good. But what is great is Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. Oh man, is Kurt Russell having a blast being Santa Claus. Like, you can tell he wanted to be the Santa Claus so bad. And it's a Kurt Russell Santa Claus. Like, it's Big Trouble Little China meets Christmas in a lot of ways. Like, that's the type of vibe I get from the Santa Claus. And I had a blast with that. Um, uh, Teddy Pierce, who's in Summer of 84, which is a movie I despised earlier a few months ago, um, but Judah Lewis was in that, and he is the uh, older brother and major character. He's like, I would say he's the main character. And then Darby Camp is the sister, younger sister. And um, the thing I disliked most of the movie, she was kind of obnoxious and a little bit annoying to me. Um, not horrible, but at times I was like, oh my god, I can't take this. Um, but Kurt Russell kept bringing me back in whenever he was on screen. I loved him so much. Um, it's a fun movie. It's not perfect, but it's it's definitely... Uh, if you're looking for something new that's Christmassy, it's the way to go. It's kind of like an action movie too. Again, it's Kurt Russell, so he's a, even there's a constant joke about like him not being a traditional Santa Claus. Like 
Like, look, I'm not, I've slimmed down. I'm not as fat as the, the pictures show me, and I don't say ho, 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 and things like that. Um, it's, it's fun. Uh, again, not perfect, but definitely a solid watch. And uh, I want Kurt Russell to be Santa Claus again, because I had a blast with that version of the character, of the iconic character. Um, Sunday, I rewatched, uh, which is a tradition, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I will probably watch that at least two more times before Christmas. Um, it's a favorite of my wife's, and thus I also have grown to love it. Um, all right, here's the big one, though. I can't say if I like it or not. I can't say if it's good. Um, not until December 12th I will be posting my review. But I got to see Mary Poppins Returns in a uh, critic screening. And I wish I could say things, but I am currently unable to. If you follow me on social media... I am able to uh, to post like a quick brief thought of the of the film on social media, but I'm not allowed to give a full review, and since that's what this podcast would be, I can't say anything but that I saw it, and I will have a full review up on BurkeReviews.com December 12th, so look forward to that if you want to see my thoughts on Mary Poppins Returns. Uh, that stars Emily Blunt, um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and a few other people uh, who you might recognize Ben Wishaw, Emily Mortimer. Um, I can't say too much else, though. So I'm going to move on to the... Uh, we watched Selma. And then um, last night, I had a screener for a film called Maria by Callas. Um, it is a documentary about uh, an opera singer from the 50s. Um, and apparently was, like, among the best opera singers at the time. I, I don't know anything about opera, Corey. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever listened to opera? Uh, only in movies, and that's been plenty. Yeah, I, I Which hate Which makes opera. me sad, because I feel like it would be a good experience to have, but... I, I don't like it. Um, I, this movie is not bad. Um, it's, in fact, the story of Maria Callas, and, like, they use a lot of, uh, like, her journals and letters, um, and have somebody read them, like, out loud, like, narration kind of thing. And then there's some interviews, like stock footage of her doing interviews, and her her story's kind of tragic in some ways. Um, like she was forced into singing by her mother, and basically kind of like had no say in what her life was gonna be. And you kind of hear this like really skewed perspective that she has of of life. Like um, at one point she says she thinks the ultimate vocation for a woman is to be a mother, but it wasn't her destiny. And you can't fight destiny. That, like, basically saying she had no control over her life and she is who she is because that's what life intended. And there was no, there's no point in being upset about it. There's no point in being, like, like wanting something else because you can't escape destiny. And that, that made me, you know, kind of painted her as, like, this tragic figure who's been, you know, pushed into this corner where she never felt like she had an option of what she wanted. It was just, you can do this thing, you're going to do this thing. And then, like, her first husband was her manager. So, like, she, everyone in her life that was supposed to be, like, loving and supportive seemed to be more controlling and, and dictating. And so in those moments of the film, I found it very compelling. But there are, like, five full-length opera songs. Of, and they're mainly just her standing and singing the song. And I'm not saying she can't sing. I just don't care what she's singing. It sounds so boring i literally nodded off four times and i was holding a cup of coffee in my hand oh, no. and my head would like drop and i'm like oh boy um holding coffee and 
it's two hours long and if you removed all of the opera stuff it probably would be like an hour and a half and i think it'd be a much more overall compelling movie if you like opera though i am probably completely wrong i have found now that i definitely don't like opera music um it's not my style it's way too i don't know it takes forever to say like four words like because they stretch out the words and they're just like you know vibrato and i'm just like i this is not my style of music and um they didn't show really like the theatrical performances of the opera like they were those were just her standing and singing songs from operas that she's either been in or could have been in i don't know um but i i found that part of the movie to be kind of dull and so again decent watch is what i would say my review went up for that today um actually technically last night well and when you're listening to this three days ago but still it's up um but if it's it's playing in theaters right now and it came to orlando that's why i was able to get a screener for it they wanted you know people to know about this movie and again i think if you love opera it's probably really good because the story is compelling and i'm sure the opera is good it just to me opera is not good so um and i'm, I'm hoping to watch a documentary tomorrow about the uh uh nwba the national wheelchair basketball association um specifically uh, a team from miami so i'm hoping to get that watch and my review up for that but that's basically it i haven't had a whole lot of time this week um i've been you know working and uh getting stuff ready because we're going to be going on christmas break here soon so uh, i hope to be watching a few more movies i have watched quite a few from this year but um i've missed a few from 2018 but we'll talk about that at the end of the podcast for now, I think we should get into uh, Selma. What do you think? Yeah. So if you're new to the podcast, or again, maybe you just forget, uh, we start with our general review. So this is spoiler-free right now. Um, before we get into our extensive review of Selma, Corey will give a, a thorough warning that we're about to talk all sorts of noise about the movie. Um, one thing, though, Corey, I, I want to tell you, because you, I think you'll be excited about this. Uh, I am going to a, another critic screening on Wednesday. For uh, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos' new film, The Favorite. And what? I am so excited. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the trailer for it? No. Okay, so you know who that director oh, is. Oh, I know who that is. I only like one of his movies. Which movie? Um, The Lobster. Okay, have you watched Killing of a Sacred Deer? Yes. You didn't like the Corey? No, and you... I didn't like... I really didn't like Dogtooth. Now, when you say that... Did you not like it, or you didn't enjoy the experience of watching it? Because I feel like that's two different things. Because I don't I, really know how to differentiate the two. <laughs> I think it's a brilliant movie, but it's a very, very tough watch, and it makes me extremely uncomfortable. Oh, I'm not saying if I'm saying that I don't enjoy a movie, it doesn't necessarily reflect on the quality of the movie. Which is what so I basically it, asked. It's so. then yes, sorry. No, then no. yeah, I didn't and I did not enjoy watching that movie. And I don't think he wants you to enjoy watching that movie. I, I think he's wanting I you to squirm in your seats. Um, I don't want to spend my time doing something that I'm not enjoying. Um, I do. I mean, like, I don't know. In a way, isn't that like a haunted house or a, like a roller coaster? Like, you enjoy it, but you enjoy the scare Those of are it, right? fun. Like, because I, you got scared, right? I like to be scared. I don't like to be uncomfortable. Okay. I guess I, I don't can like... understand that. And Dogtooth, I just wanted to throw up, and things oh. happened in that movie that... Yeah, there's messed up stuff in that movie. It's, like, what, it's a film I have a hard time recommending, but I think is amazing. Um, 
I don't know that I'll return to it anytime soon, but I am a big fan of both Killing of a Sacred Deer and Lobster. And it, like, there's just something about the lobster that the humor in it, mm-hmm. I love Colin Farrell in it. I just... Because you know that movie re- ends really dark, too, though. Like, yeah, but, like, I, yeah, everything that they're saying about love, too. Mm-hmm. Um, But it the humor, like, oh. that dark, like... I don't even know, like biting humor. I and there's a part that I shouldn't laugh at, but I laughed so hard in the movie theater, and then I was a little uncomfortable for a minute because I felt like everybody was judging me because I was the only person laughing in the movie theater. Well, um, his you, new his new film is not written by him though. This is the first film he's directed that he didn't write. Oh. Um, but it stars Rachel Weisz, who is in The Lobster, who I'm a huge fan of. Um, she's also in the. I mean, she's in a lot of movies, but we've watched for this podcast, um, "The Light Between Oceans." She's the uh, the mother in that movie, oh, so um, good. And I think we might have watched something else with her, but she's she's such a terrific actress. It also stars Emma Stone, and then I am forgetting the name of the queen character, but it's a uh, Victorian period piece, which is uh, also far from his style. Um, but it looks like it's got his uh, kind of witticism and snarkiness uh, stylistically, like. The trailer is hilarious. If you haven't seen the trailer for The Favorite, highly recommend you check it out. I'm going to get to see that on Wednesday, so my uh, I should have a review up later that week. Because it is actually already in theaters, but uh, there it's just very limited release right now. Um, but it's getting some award buzz, especially because like, the costuming looks really great. But it's a, it's kind of a dark, like, uh, I wouldn't call it a love triangle per se, but um, Rachel Weisz plays like the Queen's right-hand woman. And Emma Stone shows up and tries to kind of like move in on that position. And so okay. there's like a feud between the two of them. Um, I, and the trailer looks really funny at times. I forgot that that was the name of that. I saw it. I saw that trailer before some movie. I can't remember which one. And I do really want to see that. I didn't realize he was directing it, though. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm a, I, I've actually seen all of you. haven't seen his uh, his other movie at the Alps. The Alps? No. Yeah. Oh, I like that one a lot, actually. That one's. Um, a tough watch too, but it's not as tough as Dogtooth. Like it is, it's it deals with. Um, sorry, this is not our, our podcast topic, but I love this guy. Uh, his work is so unique. Um, Dogtooth and Alps are. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's Alps. I'm like ninety percent sure yeah, that's right. It is okay. Um, I googled it. Those those are Swedish films uh, that you can now see here. Um, he's only done four, and now the favorite is his fifth. I think feature and if there is another Swedish film it's not available in the States so like the Alps and Dogtooth are the only ones you could see at the moment but um, the Alps deals with like this group of people who uh, they are like rent a person so the idea is that if you lost somebody you loved rather than just moving on with them gone you could hire someone to come and play their their role uh, for like maybe for 10 minutes or maybe for a day or maybe for multiple times and so these people are like trained and they have a diverse like cast if you will so like if your son was really tall they have a tall guy um, and they have like an older guy and they have a young girl and blah 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 and these people will come and at times maybe that you just want to sit with them and watch a show every every Tuesday night you used to watch this show with this, this person and they do this until you feel better like it's supposed to be like this whole idea of mourning so it's like this weird analogy for like moving on and dealing with loss and also identity and like who you are. it's it's brilliant um same actress from Dogtooth though uh who is like the main girl who ultimately oh. yeah um and she's like, in uh she's dead the lobster now. too what 
Are you talking about the yeah? I think she's a younger daughter in Dogtooth. I don't think she's the younger daughter. She's the main. Well, the one that. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how to say it with uh, Angelica Papulia. Is I believe the one. Yeah, she's in the Alps. She's in the Lobster. Uh, she's in another couple movies. It doesn't say that she's dead. One of those not. daughters, I'm pretty sure, passed away like just last year or something. Man, uh, well, IMDb doesn't show this one as dead, so I'm hoping that is not the case. Um, but she's in a lot of uh, movies. Oh no, it's the it's the younger daughter, Mary Tassoni. Okay. The one who died, and she was also in. Uh, no, she was only in Doctor Who. I'm sorry, but man, I didn't realize that. That's sad. Jeez. And I feel like she was in a punk band or something too. Yeah, her picture kind of looks like that. Oh, yep. But yeah, not to not to digress too much. But I'm excited about seeing the favorite. I'm a, again big Yogos Lanthimos fan. Um, if you haven't checked out his movies, listeners, you should. Uh, you will Despite probably hate some of them. Yeah. Well, no, probably you're gonna side with Corey. He is uh, not a taste for everybody. Um, but man, he he just really like again. And I don't like a lot of what happens in Dogtooth, so I'm not like advocating what happens. Don't but me. his filmmaking style is so intense, and it's so. Uh, man, I just I'm so blown away by his films, um, all of them. And Lobster though is the the most I think accessible. It's super funny. It's still dark, and some people have not liked it. But if you, if it resonates with you, it's gonna be amazing. Um, Killing a Sacred Deer super dark, but I thought the performances were amazing, um, and the story was just trippy and crazy. But all right, let's get to Selma though. That's what we need to focus in on here. Selma's from 2014, rated PG-13, uh, directed by Ava DuVernay. Um, written by Paul Webb, stars David Oiello, and I apologize because I know I butchered that. I should have looked up how to say that. Carmen Ijogo, Tim Roth, uh, which, Corey, by the way, I totally called. A D-bag. Yeah, I totally called that on last week's episode that he was going to be playing some Tim racist Tim Roth, why person, you do this to me? <laughs> which I should have known because if, if you know uh, the story at all, he's Governor George Wallace from Alabama. And if you know that story, yes, he's going to be an awful person. Um, there's a lot of actors, and they're kind of all over the place in the order here, so I'm going to skim through. Oprah Winfrey, super important, but doesn't have a lot to do, but her character is important to the overall premise I of the movie. I love seeing her in the movie, though. Mm -hmm. Me too. Um, Tom Wilkinson plays President Lyndon B. Johnson. <clears throat> I was happy Giovanni Ribisi was kind of a good guy, because he's often well, a creep. Well, not, I don't know, at the beginning... <laughs> well, he's a yes man, though, so you gotta keep that, keep that into consideration. Fair enough. He's saying what the president wants him to say, but um, Andre Holland, uh, Havelina Stilwell, um, Ruben Santiago, Coleman Domingo, who's always a really terrific actor, um, Omar J. Dorsey. I love. I didn't. I'm looking at the screen, and I'm like, that looks like Tessa Thompson, but I didn't see Tessa Thompson's name in the list when we skimmed it uh, in the last episode. And so I like, really go deep, and there's Tessa Thompson. She's not in the movie much, but I'm a huge Tessa Thompson fan. She might be in my top five actresses. I, if you saw Annihilation from this year, Creed, Creed Two, uh, um, she's in so many movies, and she's a chameleon. She changes so much in her, in the roles. Uh, absolutely terrific actress. Um, Common, who's Common's been doing some good stuff. Um, I don't always like Common because he he looks like a guy who's happy to be in a movie versus like an actor. Um, but I really do. I like common, um, in this movie, uh, Dylan Baker's 
barely in it, but he's a very well-known uh, character actor. Like, you'll recognize him. Niecy Nash, who I'm looking at in the movie, I'm like, I know her. What do I, I know her from? One. Yeah, and that's what it was. I saw a meme <laughs> on accident after watching Selma. It was a scene where this guy was handcuffed and he was trying to escape the handcuffs. And they all start, like, taking bets on that whether he can get out of the handcuffs or not. And as soon as I saw him, I'm like, oh, my God, that's where she's from. She's from uh, the Arena 911. She's also currently has a show called Claws on TNT. Um, and then, hold on, there's a couple more people. Wendell Pierce is a, a known character actor. Ah, the one I was most excited when he showed up, Lakeith Stanfield, um, who is uh, the star of Sorry to Bother You this year. He was also in The Girl in the Spider Web, which was not the best movie, but he's good in it. Um, he's I... in Get Out. Um, not he's not the star in Get Out, but he has a major role in Get Out. Um, and then he was also in uh, oh Short Term Twelve, which is a movie that everybody needs to watch. Um, and he was in something. Oh, he's in Atlanta with uh, um, Donald Glover, uh, who he's terrific on that show. Sorry, it sounded like you were about to say something, Corey, and I jumped over you. I it was a small part, but I loved him in that mm-hmm. part, and, and then, I was having a hard time placing him. Ah, yeah, he's um. He's very subdued in this role, and a lot of times he plays kind of weirder, obscure, like, more... Even, like, if you've ever listened to an interview with him or anything, he kind of comes off as super weird. Um, even, like, follow him on Twitter. Like, the stuff he tweets sometimes, you're just like, whoa, what is what is this guy doing? Like, it's so out there, but uh, I am a big fan of his performances, and I loved him in this movie. Can't get into his role too much without, like, getting into spoilers. I mean, technically speaking, this is a historical film, so there aren't, like true spoilers if you know anything about history but it's still a movie and there are there's going to be some liberties and things like that so i'm trying to be considerate to those who were like myself avoided this movie um possibly because you knew there was going to be a lot of racial tension and a lot of things that are just messed up and i could not bring myself to watch it despite hearing all sorts of cool things now i do want to tell you a cool fact that i've known about this movie uh i think since 2015 um, there is a character, uh, towards the end, a white lady, um, and she's actually in the end credits, uh, the name is, uh, you know, like, before the credits, they have, like, the title, they have the, the person, and they say, like, what happened to them, or what they did. Yes. Um, there's a white lady named Viola Lu- Luisu, Luisa, I, I, so, I feel so awful for not being able to pronounce the name, of that's the actual person in real life, but the actress who played her in the movie is Tara Oaks or Tara Ox, O-C-H-S, um, and she came to my high school and spoke at morning meeting uh, about two, three years ago. Um, and I, 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 being the, the film person there, I filmed her speech, um, and she talked about being on Selma, and, like, you know, the she's an actress, she's in several other things, but um, I've known, so, like, I've known that I've been in the presence of an actress from this film for, uh, you know, a few years ago, and I just, I've been waiting to watch it partly, um, like, I'm going to be like, hey, I, I, I met that person. Um, she was, gave a really great speech about acting to, like, you know, pursuing your dreams, that kind of thing. And also, um, Civil Rights Movement. It's been a few years now, so I'm trying to recall exactly what she said. We've had some amazing guest speakers over the course of my time with Lake Wells High School, um, including, um, before his attempt at running for president, Ben Carson. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson came um, and spoke to our school. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we've had some, some really amazing people come and speak to our students at our school. I'm very proud to be a part of that high school. And, uh, you know, this is just a really cool connection to a movie that we just watched. Um, because an actress, uh, from the film was in, um, 
you know, at my school. That is awesome. All right. Um, so, what did, what were your thoughts, Corey, of Selma, without getting into spoilers just yet? I I know that they did take liberties for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. but I also just think, like, for as important of a movement as it is, everything that we are taught about it is so... It's it's just so clean, I guess. Um, I don't know. Like, we learn about Martin Luther King, and we learn about the Civil Rights Movement, and we hear that there is violence and stuff, but I don't think that... You know what I mean? I don't think that we're really taught the magnitude i guess Mm. of what happens or i am gonna sound so ignorant saying this but i didn't realize that when the civil rights movement was happening that black people already had the right to vote oh and were being denied that right i feel like i sound so stupid saying that and everybody else in the whole wide world probably knows but i don't know Uh, so with with time for me i i often have a hard time like of when I hear about, like, series that all are connected, like, figuring out when things happen. Yeah, um, the timeline. Yeah, without having experienced it, like, everything just feels like it must have happened all rapidly. So I can well, totally see where you're coming from with that. And why would they have to be fighting for the right to vote if they if that's already a right that they have? And that's I mean, completely accurate. That's It should not have been a fight that they were having. But, yeah, um, the way it was instituted was left open. Um, and... Uh, are you saying, um, just to clarify, uh, did this movie give you the sanitized version, or did this movie no. give you? Okay, I felt that's like what it I thought, but I just wanted to clarify. Much more honest. I just wasn't expecting some of the things that we saw in the movie, and I feel like they pro- some of the things that happened they must be true. I can totally see it happening, but mm-hmm. we never heard about those things happening. Um, I loved every single performance in this movie. Even I still want to punched him i want to punch george wallace in the face um i don't know like i cried the whole time i don't it's only how many years later 60 almost yeah or i think it is yeah Um, right around i think it's right at 50 it's i think exactly 50 uh we picked kind of um well i guess it's 53 um i think it was 65 Okay. It started 64, but, like, when uh, Malcolm X was killed in February of 65, and that's referenced in the movie, and that's not a spoiler, that's not actually in the movie, it's just we're told that it happened um, in the movie, and, like, days after, though, he, because the character Malcolm X, the uh, an actor playing Malcolm X in the movie does show up for one scene, um, and it's not, I don't even think they say Malcolm X during the scene he's in, you have to put it together. Which I think is great. I think it's you know it's very easy to do that, but it's I don't think she ever refers to him as Malcolm or anything like that. Um, but then we're told that he's assassinated. That's February of '65, and then I think a few months later is after when they actually do the march, which is what this movie is focused on. That is the uh, climax of the film. And again, not technically a spoiler because the name of the film is Selma, so it makes sense that they would march from Selma to Montgomery. Um, uh, I met a, uh, a guy, I think I talked about him with you, Corey, um, after I saw uh, mid-90s. I met this film critic named Elijah. Um, well, an aspiring critic at the time, but since then he has started his YouTube channel and he's been reviewing movies. Um, and he's, he's 
I think he does a really good job. And um, he commented on my post on Instagram. Um, and I, I felt like this is an appropriate time to talk about it because of what you were saying. Because I've, I noted earlier that Martin Luther King Jr. was, uh, cons- I considered him a hero. And while I, I've never done, like, extensive research, I know, like, the Civil Rights Movement, what he did for the Civil Rights Movement, um, the, the obvious big speeches that he gave. But I had never heard about his infidelity until oh. this movie. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if maybe I was, like, the hero blindness where I just didn't want to hear that. Um, and while I won't get into how it shows up in the film, it is addressed. And um, Elijah points out that he was really um, proud that Ava was willing to put that in, that they didn't make this like a sanitized, no, Dr. Martin Luther King is this, you know, perfect man who did only the right thing every time when it was an option. Exactly. Because, and I'm not condoning it, and I'm not saying that it's right, because, I mean, it's in the movie, but it's a fact. She never remarried. Yeah. Um, that, I mean, he was 39 when he passed away, which I never talk about my age, but that's not much older than me. I know. I didn't realize, like, I, I did realize that, but at the same time, I think when I learned that I was a kid, and so now being 36 and hearing, like, seeing it in front of me, it was, it was all the more crazy, um, to, like, put together. But yeah, I, I, I think I had kind of, you know, um, what's the word when you, like, I, I didn't turn him into a god, but, like. You know, like, I've made him, like, a saint. Like, I've always thought of him as just this well, flawless individual who is a uh, beacon of what we should aspire to be. And while I still think at the at the center, that's still the case, but I like the idea that he's flawed. Because we are all flawed. We're people. We're not perfect. Um, our flaws may not always mirror each other or, or, or you know, uh, be, be of the same magnitude, to use the word you used a little bit ago. But, um... I, I did I, I kind of think it humanizes him a little bit you know that it, he is oh, yeah. a guy like he's obviously he's a guy and he was a celebrity in essence you know um people knew who dr martin luther king jr was so of course he'd go for, to all these places and women were probably like they don't show that in the movie but you got to think women were throwing themselves at him in every city because he's the guy you know he's the man he's the one fighting for the rights he's the one who's you know giving these amazing speeches um can i tell you so three days ago um was it the let me look really fast but um watching this movie i noticed and i think that we already know but i don't think like how important of a role it plays necessarily but going back to when we watched milk and harvey milk and how mm -hmm. he was able to like get the people pumped up and like Mm -hmm. those great speeches and he you know people were just willing to you know just go out there and do things even though they knew they would get harmed yeah and here we see it again and i mean obviously that's uh that's an important you know Mm -hmm. of a leader if you're going to be trying to make changes I mean, it's at the national level. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, Martin Luther King was looking to change the world, too, though. Like, he was looking for this this concept to be changed. And there are so many powerful moments in this film. Um, I won't say when yet, because we're not in spoilers, but I cried at least three times. And I don't mean, like, I had a tear. I, like, at one point, I was, like, hands over my face, kind of sobbing, like, just devastated. I was say, the sobbing, uh, catching in my chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
and and that's why I'd been avoiding this movie. Um, not because I'm crying like because it's what's happening. I can't stand it's it's injustice and um, the hatred that you see in movies about this type of stuff, civil rights movies. Um, whether we're talking milk, whether we're talking because I cried at milk for the same freaking type of stuff because I just could not believe that anybody could be that evil and uh ryan coogler and michael b jordan's fruitvale station um i think was one of the biggest like at the end of the movie i cried so hard for the again injustice that i just could not fathom and there is i do have guilt um not because of anything i've done but because maybe i feel like i haven't done enough to fight for equality like um it's that idea. Uh, I I listen to Battleship Pretension a lot, and that is a it's a movie podcast. But they are um, David and, and Tyler are often they talk about their political stances and things like that. And uh, they coincidentally were talking about um, a similar idea that I'm I'm kind of leaning into is the idea of like I am in a place of privilege, so I don't always know how to properly react to things that upset me. Um, because I don't want to come off as like condescending or like that I am in a position where I can fix it because I I can't fix it. I can't change. Like, I don't represent the white male just because I am a white male. You know, like I can't change all of their points of view. I can't make everyone not be racist or, or be accepting. Um, all I can do is try to do that myself and not allow it to happen in front of me like not to encourage it or ignore it if it's happening um and i can do something to stop it or change it that won't uh you know potentially put my family at risk things like and i don't know i guess obviously even there i'm putting like a safeguard i'm afraid of of having to do like what you said what we watch in these movies where you see these people risking their lives and some of them paying with their lives to fight for this cause that is just and right but I'm I'm afraid. Like I don't want to lose my life for anything, um, because to my knowledge, this is the one I have, and I'm not. You know, I have a daughter that I want to see go to college, and I want to see her live, and I want. But I want that for everybody, and so it's that that balance that I try to find in within myself. That you know, I do. I feel guilt is the only other way I could describe it, um, because I wish. I mean, I wasn't even alive when any of this was happening. I was born in '82 you know this these movements had long since ended but there's still a struggle there's still inequality and um and i still hate it it still baffles me when when i hear about it because i can't wrap my head around hating anything anybody on the the level of like where it's not an individual it's not a person who's done something to you it is you know people who have a common whatever the commonality is it's a superficial one right and the the fact that you can think that they all are a certain way simply because of that commonality whether it's their sexual preference their sexual orientation their skin color um their place of birth their religion that they're all a certain thing they're all evil they're all this is is mind-boggling to me um especially when you see it like you see it in selma mm. So I think now, um, uh, I think we both like the movie. Yeah. Then let's, uh, and it, it does, it has an 87 Metacritics, um, and a 7.5 
IMDb user score. I'm guessing the 3.5 or 2.5 people who have not liked the movie, um, or whatever. That's not accurate what I just said. But what I, the the people who have not given it higher than a 7.5, I'm guessing maybe felt something off. Um, but nonetheless, let's get into spoilers and we'll wrap this up uh, in a few minutes. Guys, we are going to talk about Soma in great detail from here forward. So if you haven't watched it and you don't want to be spoiled, stop here. Otherwise, full steam ahead. Okay, so there's a series of things in this movie that I want to bring up. One, the opening explosion of the church was so shocking. Yes. Like, I had no idea that was going to... One, like... Even though I, I know that there are things like that that happened during this time period and still, sadly, it happened every once in a while now, um, I didn't expect to ever see it the way we see it in the movie. Because Ava and, and the writer, whose name I have now forgotten, um, that were in the church with these little girls and they're talking about how Coretta Scott King did her hair. And then you see the explosion come from the side. It's, it was so jarring. I, I like I, I didn't I didn't sob there. I was too shocked I think to cry. I was just like, oh my god! Like, cause that's early in the movie. That's yeah. like fifteen minutes in at most. Like, and that made me start taking notes. Like, I don't always take notes during a movie. I often prefer not to, but I was like, I'm gonna have a lot of reactions to this movie. I want to make sure I can bring them up if I want to. So, um. D- that was the the first scene that really shocked me. And then I oh, oh yeah go, go no please no 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 please I did not know again the timeline of where that happened I've read about it and you know heard about it and but I didn't I also didn't expect the movie to pretty much start that way I, it like threw me yeah. for a loop. Especially because I thought we were just getting ready for like a meeting because the girls were talking about getting their hair yeah. and and I'm like, oh okay, we're gonna see like a, a speech or something, and then explosion and I'm just like, oh my goodness, um, and even how they showed it because like you see the explosion and then we're like in these extreme close-ups where you can't quite make out every detail, but at the same time you know what the, they are, and I think that's more troubling than if we were seeing it from like a distance or seeing a very clear like oh that's this person. We're seeing like limbs and we're seeing debris and it's all intertwined and it's moving and it's chaos and it's horror. And man, um, I've, I've seen a lot of Ava stuff at this point. This is actually like her biggest success that I had not seen. Um, I am one of the few people who supported a wrinkle in time from this year, um, which also has Oprah in it. Um, and then I watched her documentary on Netflix called 13th. Which, if you have not seen and you are, like myself, um, an advocate for equality, I think is a must that you watch 13th um, to understand what the 13th Amendment allows and how uh, what a phrase that's used in Selma a few times is the, the systematic control of, the, of race relations. As you pointed out, Corey, um, they weren't fighting for the right to vote. They were fighting for the right to get to use the right they were already given to vote. And... It was through a systematic placement of how uh, they could go in to register to vote and then be asked inane questions. I and I want to. Oh, God. So I. I love seeing Oprah in that. Mm -hmm. And like her silence was just so. 
I don't know. And I'm just thinking that she's being asked these questions and I wouldn't be able to answer any of those questions. No way. I didn't. I, none of them. The first one stumped me. No. Um, and she's like, we have 67. Did Was it judges mm-hmm. throughout Alabama? And then he tells her to name them. Name and she them. can't. Yeah. And I'm just like, no one, no one would be able to do that. And And there was no like those questions were off the top of his head. If she had named all 67, he would have just said something Come else. Up with something else. What are their wives' names? You know, like, it would have been something else. And um, 13th addresses that as well. And, and not, not that specifically, but, like, how there are systems in place to keep equality from happening. Um, and that's the issue, is that it is systemic. And same thing, I mean, Ava DuVernay is uh, too qualities in a director that we don't see nearly enough is one she's african-american and two she's a woman if you didn't catch it by the pronoun she and there that is a not a common occurrence in film right now especially in big blockbusters um like a wrinkle in time this year uh you don't see a lot of 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 black women directing and having um opportunities to direct big products like this not saying that that's better um i'm all for indie film but you know the recognition that Ava's able to get is so uncommon um, for for both black directors in general and female directors in general. So uh, Selma is a, a big milestone and a lot for a lot of reasons. I mean, aside from it being a insanely great film, um, it's what she's been able to do because of it is also amazing. Um, another thing that shocked me was uh, Lakeith Stanfield's character. He plays Jimmy Lee Jackson, who is killed in a after a peaceful protest. He's marching with his grandfather and his mother, and um, the uh, Alabama police ambush this march because Martin Luther King was not going to be there, so there would be so, no cameras. cameras. Yeah, and um, Lakeith and his grandparent, his grandfather and mother, run. Uh, to a diner, um, which I don't know if you noticed, but it was like a, a predominantly black diner because, again, they were in Alabama. There was still segregation despite that being illegal. Um, and uh, they they try to pretend like they've always been there, but the, the state troopers show up and they start beating the crap out of an 82-year-old man with a nightstick. Beating the, the mother, which I'm not sure what her age is, but then straight up just pulls out a pistol and shoots Jimmy Lee Jackson in the in the chest and then leave. I cried so hard there, but more so in the aftermath when they were at the hospital. And I think it was Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. talking to the grandfather. And yes. the grandfather just, everything he said about Jimmy Lee Jackson broke he, me. Uh, was in the... I don't remember which branch of the military, but had served the United States and mm-hmm. was a good boy and all these things. And that. Uh, mm. And the grandfather saying that, uh, you know, Jimmy Lee was basically fighting for his right. He wanted his grandfather to get to register to vote. And um <laughs> at the end of the movie we do find out that he is the first one in his family to register to vote and that uh, at 84 at 84 and that that it still wants me to cry again i was so devastated by his death and lakeith 
again, being such a good actor, even though he doesn't get a lot in this movie, he does a lot with it when he's on screen. And I I was devastated um, I in that sequence. I love seeing, like, I don't know. I felt like we, we don't spend a whole lot of time with all of these individual people, but I feel like we still get enough to get attached to them. And I yeah. loved that family so much. And they're talking about, uh, when they're talking about another like uh, they're trying to figure out the best way to get around to work the legislation 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 yes there we go um to, to where it will be most beneficial and they're talking about the poll tax and how these people are having to pay poll taxes from the whole time since I think they were 18, even though they weren't legally allowed to vote before they're able to register to vote now. And then that they have to have, have vouchers. So they have to have someone that's already like registered to vote to vouch for them so that then they can vote and all yeah. these different things in state place where they can't. And then talking about how you have to be legally registered to vote to be on a jury and that it's all white juries mm-hmm. that are like, I just, I don't know. And that's that, know. that system systematic thing I was talking about yeah. that 13th also addresses. Um, and yeah. And that's the problem is that there, there are systems in place to keep people in power, in power, and those without, without. And if you don't acknowledge those systems and you don't attack them the right way, and that was one of the things I really loved about this movie too, is I've always known Dr. Martin Luther King was fighting for equality, but the way in which he was doing it, um, how tactful he was, like you hear him talking, and not just him, but all of his team, like the different advisors and the different members of the that group, how they were like like you just said how they were discussing what do we need to address though is it is it this is it at this stage where is the real issue and it it was so it was like listening to military leaders uh plan a battle you know like this is the weak spot this is what we must attack first because if this isn't out of place like if there are still if we're arrested and we go to a jury full of white jurors we're not getting a jury of our peers and you know there's so many little things like that that if you're not looking at the big picture, if you're only attacking the thing that's upsetting you, you're not. You're just throwing yourself up against a brick wall. You're not getting in. You have to figure out what's the way to get to the, what we're looking for. And I thought she did a terrific job of showcasing that. Like this was not just I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna march here for this. It, and that they were actually going places and testing the water and like yeah. looking at the elected officials and how they react to the situations and how it's going to better benefit the movement. Which... And the, the acknowledgement that he was using the publicity and the cameras as a tool, as a weapon against it, because he, and it's not a negative thing. I, but I mean, I think a lot of times when we think of these civil rights leaders, we want to, again, glorify them as these saints who came in and they just like, you know, said a few words and people followed. And while that's not untrue, there was a lot more behind the scenes going on. And I thought Selma does a really good job of like letting you in and seeing that this was not just you know some guy who came and said a couple things this was a strategic movement to make change by stirring up the systems that were in place to stop the change and like lbj is a great example of that because initially he is so clearly a he's a politician so he knows he has to work with martin luther king jr but he also feels uh like (laughs) emasculated by it like that he's losing his power to this guy and 
um, that he has to, that it's like not a choice he gets to make, that it's like he's in a position where he can't say no to him and he hates that. But by when he sits down with Wallace and they have their conversation with LBJ and Wallace, and I think you see LBJ realize how different he is than Wallace. Because I think at first LBJ is kind of painted as a villain, especially when we see him talking to J. Edgar Hoover. And, of course, as this movie uh, blatantly tells us, that all those memes about the FBI listening to us are probably much more true than we thought. Oh, Um, fucking – I couldn't – that was something that I did not even – think about do i believe it's true hell yes yeah well i there's a documentary um i'm gonna forget what it's called it's like 1962 or something it's a group of people who break into the fbi headquarters and steal a bunch of files and ultimately proved how much j edgar hoover was like like um bugging and and listening in on uh like the uh anti vietnam movement like the people who were like protesting the war and stuff how he was locking in on them and how he had these plans to like get rid of them and discredit them like all the evil crap that hoover was doing while in charge of the fbi and this movie just is an extension of that in, in my head is like this guy was like everybody was a communist everybody was a demon everybody because that he links mlk to communism at some point in some of the, the files like and it's alluded to here at times that he's wanting you know everybody to be the same like like there's no capitalism because in the 60s communism is still very very big fear everyone and we've seen that all all month like how many movies dealt with communism as a big part of like the uh the the conflict i mean uh manchurian candidate um uh oh my i just drew a blank um i know dr strangelove yes like i mean and here even again it's it's there here's a man who's fighting for the right to vote and they're like ah he's a commie because of that you know um it's crazy uh but lbj says something like this i didn't get it verbatim i don't think but um he tells wallace i'll be damned if i'm going to let history put me with the likes of you and i i thought that was such a key moment where like i don't want to root for lbj in a movie about dr martin luther king jr and the march on selma and all the people all the freedom fighters who were you know putting their lives at risk some died lakeith stanfield's character jimmy lee johnson jackson um dying for the cause i do not want to make lbj a hero here especially because he was the one person who had the power from the beginning of the the whole time to change everything and and was reticent because again political game there's a system in place white the white people were the only ones who could vote so you piss off the white people you don't get reelected. that's you know the fear he had um one of many fears that he had because again i don't think he fully agreed with everything mlk was doing but i think that moment where he's sitting with wallace is when he realizes there is a huge difference between where he has issues and where a man like wallace has issues um and that was big for me um because lbj was you know responsible for the vietnam war um and continuing the war and so like he's not a president that i look highly up to um but the moments in this film did make me like okay there he wasn't um he wasn't like a lot of the other racist leaders in the area at the time like and not in the area i don't know what area lbj's from but you know when you look at like wallace pure racism you know there and the guy um oh and that where he's like you let them into our schools and you let them into the whatever he's naming all the things where they're finally getting equality and then he's like and they're never happy 
And I was just uh, like, you did not just say that. I, oh, man. And I love Tim Roth. And he is a good Same. villain. But, man, it was... It's like, it I was... love you. I don't want to hate you right now. <laughs> uh, and I want to talk about where I lost it in the movie. Oh. That stuck in my chest, like, <laughs> you know. Um, mm-hmm. So when they start their march the first time... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is it 570-something people are marching? Without MLK, and, right? Um, yes. Yeah. So, A, I'm glad that they showed us all the ugliness. <laughs> I love how they... I like. Okay, I love how she filmed it, though. Um, well... I- I just think it's so important not to forget. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, that's just going back to everything being, like, and you know. I love though the up. New York Times reporter giving I his love... report over the phone while we're watching it. I just yes. thought because you hear the disgust he has, and yet he's a, a quiet observer. He's there. He's on the side. Not. He's not on their side but he's literally on the physical side of the bridge with the the state troopers and the the i'm going to say the racist police force of alabama at the time he's standing with them not because he agrees with them that's where the story is coming from and he is a white reporter but when he's reporting it to the to the new york times on the phone and that's how we're kind of seeing it play out i was i was blown away by that sequence it was so devastating so yeah, I totally agree. Um, and obviously, it's it's cinematic because of the tear gas and like, I mean, it's oh god, it's even replaying it in my head is is devastating. It's so horrifying to watch. Like, and they're hitting indiscriminately, male or female, old or young. They're beating the shit with nightsticks with in nightsticks. their fucking heads. Like, I just I don't know. I'm. I don't. I'm glad it was in the movie. I'm not glad that it happened. I, I've thought this is this is the topic. Equality in general is something I am a big a big proponent of, and I've taught various versions of the civil rights movement, and I've studied it more as a teacher than I ever truly did as a high school kid. You know, as a high school kid, I was like, yeah, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that equal rights occurred. Kind of oblivious because I I fortunate enough I grew up. I guess this is a weird thing to say. I was not rich, and I'm still not rich. I've never been rich. And so I've always lived in places where there's a lot of diversity, even when, um, you know, so I've always had friends of all races and things, and I'm very grateful for that because I think that's a lot of the reason why I'm not racist and why I can live in a, in a place where there is still racism and be the person that I am because I started off with this idea of equality. Like, my best friends growing up were of a multitude of races, and I didn't notice that. I just thought we were different. I thought that's how the world was and is, actually. But, you know, we're so often told otherwise that we uh, we have to stay together. And, man, there's some lines like that where, like, they say something about mongrels, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh. Um, I What got me, though, is when Dr. King gets there, and then he is calling for people to come join them, mm-hmm. and all the oh. people, all the clergy, like people from other churches show up. We have nuns show up and they end up saying that a third of the people marching with them are white. Yeah. Like that, just seeing 
the nuns in their habits and, you know, the preachers in their suits and stuff and priest. I don't know. That just. And when he, that one, he, he panics, I guess he is afraid. He sees that this is not the, the, the police stand aside, but he, he doesn't walk past him. He's, he feels like it's a trap. It's wrong. Um, I feel like it was. And it, but then they kill one of the white preach priests or preachers that what had came and, and, and when they Reeves? show it and then and how he reacts how mlk takes it to heart like this is my fault he was here because of me and my call to arms and i did nothing to ensure that they would be safe and man i was horrified uh, so so many things are just horrifying in this movie um but at the same time it is a uh it does have a happy ending because what they were fighting for is enacted like lbj finally makes it happen and you know as of today while there are still not equal rights uh we are leaps and bounds way more ahead than they were in 65 um a lot of people died for i mean god i still can't i can't wrap my head around racism and i i just i also want to say that because I wanted to do more research because I hadn't heard about this reverend. Um, and he was only 38 when he died. And mm. we hear about his wife. And we hear Martin Luther King tell Lyndon B. Johnson that that was the right thing to do. To sp- see or speak with his wife. But he had four children. Oh, man. Like, again, not much older than us. Like, I, I don't I don't know. It's just hard for me to, and like I put two and two together, like reading, you know, right before the, um, in credits that he started being a part of the civil rights movement when he was only 26. I mean, he, a third of his life. <laughs> I don't, what am I doing with my life? I guess is what I'm trying to say. I, I know. I feel often, um, you know, cause like we've had protests in the last two years, like people have been back at this this process of fighting for equality fighting for equal rights and um i haven't done that and you know i've 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 protested it silently or i've um i've supported people's protest um you know i've had students who uh for whatever reason have opted like they don't want to um stand up for the pledge and there are there are people who are like what you must say the pledge it's required and I have many times, like, no, it, no, it is not. It is not required. It is their right. The whole idea of America is that they have the freedom to not say the pledge. They can sit. They can stand. Now, they should not be disrespectful in the sense they should not interrupt other people's right to say the pledge. And I've never seen that. None of the students that I've ever had an issue uh, have ever attempted to not say it, have, like, been rude or talking during it. They sit quietly or they'll stand and quietly not say it. That is oh, their right. I, I sat for the pledge in high school, and hmm, my biology teacher was not yes, going to have exactly. any of that. I've had the and, same problems. And thankfully, my dad, you know, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I and the, I like get mad about. Um, is his name Kaepernick or uh, Kaepernick. like kneeling? Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Kaepernick. Thank you. I know I was going to mispronounce it. Like kneeling, you know, and it like you don't want people to violently protest you don't want people to 
cause riots and do all these things, but you also don't want them to silently protest in that, that is one of our rights. And he's lost his career because of that. Like, last I heard, he's not on a team anymore. No one will sign him. And... I hope that Nike is giving him all the money. Um, and again, like, I'm not saying whether or not I support, like, I, I say the pledge partly out of, I feel, an obligation to set the example as the teacher. But I I also, I advocate, I don't tell people that you don't need to say the pledge, but I will, if someone's like, isn't, and someone's like, oh, say the pledge, I'm like, that's not your place. They don't have to say it. And I've, I have gone to bat for that. Again, not bragging because this is nothing. That's what I kind of my point is that I haven't done much. I haven't done like the, I've not put myself in harm's way to fight for these causes. And so when you see anybody doing it, uh, there is, I think, a sense of shame, maybe that comes over. Like, should I have done something? Could I have done something more? Um, if I had, would it make the difference? And sadly, the answer is probably yes. Um because again, if everyone is sitting doing what we're doing, if we're all sitting wavering and pondering if we should get involved, then if all of us got involved, well, then there could be change. And uh, if we're all just sitting here thinking maybe someone else will do it, well, it's, it's not happening, you know? Um, and, and movies like this and stories like this remind me of that fact. And why I'm really proud of my daughter, because she is a little social justice warrior and... Um, she she's i think gonna make a, a make waves and i just hope that you know it's um she does it in a way that doesn't put her at harm's risk because she's my daughter and i don't want anything to happen to her but i also you know i want her to be passionate about other people and helping others and she is and so you know um I I love this movie, Corey. I, I have to. I don't know if it's been pretty obvious, but I'm ready to give my uh, rating. If there's nothing else you want to get into, I just want to say though. <laughs> yeah, no, please. When they get to, um, I think it's when they get to Selma, and it's Niecy Nash's house. Mm -hmm. I can't remember her character's name, but they walk in and there's like all this excitement, and Otis Redding is playing, and it just made me so happy. <laughs> so. I love Otis, guys. That's all. Well, um, I I give Selma uh, the must-see rating. And I'm getting the vibe you're going to do the same. Yeah, I don't know how often I would need, I would be able to watch it. But, um, yeah. Yeah. But there are, there are some really key scenes, and uh, the performances in this film are, are outstanding, as you said already. But, um... Well, that's our review of Selma, uh, Ava DuVernay's Selma, and um, the end of the month of pol uh, political films. We are going to be um, announcing our theme for next uh, next month, and normally December we end up doing Christmas movies, but you can only do that so many times. We've seen most of them. <laughs> so I decided instead, let's use this month to try to catch up with films we've missed from 2018. So we're going to be trying to watch movies that uh, we didn't see in theaters for whatever reason and are currently on home video or coming to a streaming service. Um, and we're going to start with one that I actually just recently watched and didn't like and Corey's making me rewatch it. Uh, 
It's okay. Uh, maybe I didn't give it enough of a chance. Um, I'm curious, actually, to see if you're going to like this, given what I know about you in movies. Um, okay, I'm changing my mind. Too late, I'm you getting... can't. We're about to announce it. Um, we're going to be watching uh, You Were Never Really Here from... Uh, Technically, in this movie, this is one of those things that drive me crazy. It is a 2018 release officially, but it premiered at a, f a festival in 2017, so it's listed as 2017. Um, it stars Joaquin Phoenix, which is the reason to watch this movie, and I will say the only reason. Um, a few other people that aren't super famous, uh, but it's directed by Lynn Ramsey, who also directed... Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, which I've not seen but have been wanting to watch for some time. Um, maybe I'll get to it eventually. But uh, you, you never really hear it has an 84 Metacritic, a 6.8 IMDb user score. Um, it is currently available to watch on Amazon Prime. And um, so the rest of the month, though, we'll be watching movies like that. Movies that were either officially released in 2018 or actually released in 2018. And, um, you know, we, we've got... Four weeks left of the year 2018 so that's what we're going to be doing ah. this month um you can uh watch the movies with us and let us know your thoughts you can do that on social media um you can reach out to me at burke reviews and Corey at Corey r star two r's on the end and you can email us contact at burkereviews.com go to burkereviews.com and read our reviews Corey's article for the month of december what what's coming and going from uh netflix is up now um, my reviews of several films from this uh, the month of November, Creed 2, um, Ralph Breaks the Internet is going to be dropping this weekend, my review of it, um, uh, Robin Hood, which is a movie you should absolutely avoid unless you've just got nothing better to do and you like Taron Edgerton or Jamie Foxx or Ben Mendelsohn, uh, then it's, I guess, fine, but it's still bad. Um, but there's a bunch of stuff coming out in December. Uh, however, the this week, the last week of November and the first week of December are kind of empty, and then it's just like a dumping ground of tons of movies coming out, uh, both on Netflix and in theaters, so I'm going to be writing a review for all of those as much as I can. Um, in the meantime, uh, if you like our podcast, we ask that you share it, uh, rate and review it, um, give us feedback, and tell your friends to listen to us. Um, check out our friends' podcast, What I Watch Tonight, um, and our uh, another Burke Reviews podcast, Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, uh, the November episode will be coming out soon where Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight and I discuss all the films we saw um, from November in uh, spoiler-free but still good detail. That'll be dropping later this week. And until next time, folks, keep watching movies. Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, and check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movieverse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com <laughs>